Light in the darkness, defining light this morning is, is what I'm going to be talking about. There is a light in the darkness. For the last couple of weeks, we have preached about Jesus being the light of the world, Jesus being the light for us. Sometimes you've heard that expression, light at the end of the tunnel. Anybody ever heard that expression, light at the end of the tunnel? Now, all I can think about when I think of tunnels, I think of going through a little tunnel between Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and just blaring on the horn. Does anybody else do that? Am I the only one? Our family growing up, there was some kind of tradition and I guess other people might do it, or maybe we're just odd. I don't know. But we would go through that little tunnel, and as soon as you hit that tunnel, you blare on your horn. Um, and it's not even really dark, but and nobody else does that. Anybody else? Did we go through? Okay, yeah, we got some people in the house. We have some horn blares in the house this morning. But you can think about going through a tunnel, and a dark tunnel, a long tunnel, but you think of that expression that might say, light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes we, we, we talk to someone and they've been going through a tough season or a hard time and we'll look at them and say, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. We're seeing some finalization. We're seeing some hope. We're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. And I don't know about you, but I probably do know about you when we've gone through a tough time. And then we start seeing that things are falling together and it's going to get better and we're going to make it through and we're going to come out of that tunnel and we see that light at the end of the tunnel. That's a happy time. That's a joyous moment. That's a time of rejoicing. Maybe we're coming to the end of a difficult situation. Maybe we're seeing finally a solution to a problem that has plagued us for so long or we're finishing a season that has just been tough to deal with and we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I want to tell us this morning that light, that hope, that joy at the end of the tunnel is Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. But I want to add to that this morning. I want to tell us this morning, Christ is not just the light at the end of the tunnel. Christ is the light inside the tunnel. That's what I want to try to preach about this morning. That's what I want to try to get off of my heart and off of my mind to you this morning. And to tell you, you might feel like you're in the darkness of the tunnel and you can't see the end in sight. But Jesus Christ, the light of the world, is the light in the tunnel. He's the light in the situation that you find yourself to be. He is Jesus Christ. Look with me. We're going to work our way through John chapter 1. Verses 1 through 14. You may want to write that down and go back and, and read that passage again after the sermon. Read it some this week. I have read it over and over and over again. And, and I think, oh my goodness, I just don't know if I can bring out all of the richness that is packed into just those 14 verses that talk about the Word becoming flesh, talking about Jesus Christ and who He is and what He did and what He does. So maybe you can go back and read it some more John chapter 1, 1 through 14. But I want to look at verses 1 and 2 just right now. In the beginning was the Word. Now that's another name at this point for Christ. What John is saying here is in the beginning was Christ. Because Christ was the Word that became flesh. We'll see that later on in the passage. So I do no injustice right here if I say in the beginning was Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word, or Christ was with God, and the Word, or Christ, was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
We talk about Christ. We talk about him being God. We talk about him being the light at the end of the tunnel and the light in the tunnel. And we see in this passage that he is God. He is eternal. Christ is eternal. He is from the beginning to the end, everything in between. Christ is eternal. And he can do all things. He is God. But sometimes, they'll put my quote up for me here. Sometimes as we're going through this life, we can feel that God or Christ act like he has all the time in the world. Sometimes God acts like he has all the time in the world. What are you saying, preacher, this morning? I'm saying that sometimes we pray and we know that he is God. We know that he is eternal, right? We know that he has no beginning. He will have no ending. We know that really time does not even exist for him. He lives and he reigns above the time and space continuum that we as humans find ourselves in. He's greater than all of that. He is eternal, So we know this about God. We know that he's all-powerful. We know that he exists beyond all time and space. And we pray. And we believe even. And the answer doesn't come. And things don't change. And sometimes God acts like he has all the time in the world. And we say, God, where are you? God, why has my prayer not been answered? Why have you not come through? I thought this would be dealt with yesterday or last year or or five years ago. Sometimes God acts like he has all the time in the world. Why does he do that? Because he does. Because he does. And many times we will pray and many times we will believe, but we'll put God in a box into thinking he has to respond at this time and in this way, but he is God. He does have all the time in the world. And I want to assure you this morning that if you have prayed, if you are praying about things and about situations, and it just seems like you can't get through that tunnel, and it just seems like he is not responding, just hold on and hang in there. He does have all the time in the world. He is not limited by our barriers. He is not limited by our constraints. And he can show up in just a split second of a moment and change a lifetime. He is a God that does have all the time in the world. He is eternally existent. Now when I look at these passages then it makes me think about who he is. And it think, makes me think about how I pray. Let's look first at John 1, 3 through 5. All things. Everybody say all things. Were made through him. They were made through Christ. If if you need any data this morning to prove creation, then just believe Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you'll believe in a literal creation. Somebody say amen. All things were made through him. He was with God. Christ was the agent of creation. That is good theology. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Christ was involved in all the creative activity that we see, everything we see in this world. In him was life. 
Oh yes, biological life, that when, when God breathed life into mankind and we live and we move and we breathe, but also life, look, and the life was the light of men. In him, this Christ who creates, who has created this whole world, is the same Christ who will be the light of men, who will create new life, spiritually speaking, in you and in me. Christ, the light of men. So here's what I want us to start doing. We need to start, or, or, to, or to, yeah, here's what I want us to start doing. Start praying for more than a parking spot that's near the front door. Is that all right this morning? Stop it. Stop just praying for a parking lot spot close to the front door. We have seen who Christ is. We have seen what Christ can do. We have seen that he is the life and the light of the world. And sometimes all we pray for are these little, tiny, piddly things. Oh, Lord, help me find a good parking space. I am preaching on myself. Because I can guarantee you when I go to UVA, University of Virginia, and I go into the parking garage, you know what I'm usually praying by default? Lord, just show me favor today with the parking spot. <laughs> That's nine times out of the ten what I'm praying when I'm going into that park. Just show me favor. I guess the other thing I'm praying is please don't let my car get dinged up today. Please help me be able to make these tight turns that seem to have gotten tighter after COVID and trying to navigate this parking garage. Now let me say, God is concerned with every aspect of our lives. And so what I'm not preaching today, it's okay for me to pray those things. It's okay for us to pray about little things and small things. I think it's good. So don't misunderstand me this morning. What I'm trying to say is don't limit ourselves to just praying those little softball prayers. Don't just limit ourselves praying those little things and those little, yes, pray about those things. Pray about everything. God wants to be involved in everything. But let's stop just praying for a front door parking spot. Let's start praying for the impossible. Do you hear me this morning? Let's start praying about things, realizing he is Christ who has created all things. He is Christ who is beyond all time and all space. He is Christ who can do all things. Why don't we treat him like that in prayer and pray to the Christ of the impossibility? Three things. One, we should be praying for big and eternally significant things. We should be praying for big and eternally significant things. We should add a depth to our praying. We should add a legacy, if you will, to our praying. We should be praying prayers that will outlive our own lives, if you will. Big and eternally significant things. Two, number two, I think we should be praying something that is scientifically impossible. I don't think that the diagnosis from a doctor should cause me to change my prayer of faith. I don't think that a verdict from a, a courtroom or or what I see with my own eyes in a situation 
should change me from praying a big, impossible prayer. Pray something that's scientifically impossible. Pray for something that is a miracle. I believe if we aren't careful, if I'm not careful as a pastor, if we're not careful at a church, we'll put God in a box and we'll forget to pray for him to do the supernatural. The, the, I don't like the term supernatural because it has been used so flippantly, but I like it when we take it biblically, supernatural beyond the natural. Beyond what I can do, beyond what we can do, beyond what could happen in our lives, I believe we should pray for something scientifically impossible. If you believe that, say amen this morning. And then I believe this, that brings it back to this thought today of a defining light. And I want to dig around this thought for just a moment. Pray for the best that God can do, not necessarily the best I can do. That's not an excuse to not work hard. For me, that's not an excuse to not study hard and prepare hard. But I should be praying for God to do beyond what I can do myself. I really believe there are times in our lives where God wants to get involved in our lives and do things in us and through us that in ourselves we never would have thought we could have done. I guess it's called stretching. I guess it's called walking in faith. I guess we could call it a lot of things. But I believe we should pray for God to do his best through us and not allow ourselves to always limit ourselves because of what we perceive our limitations to be. There is a defining light that can show us how to live and stretch and grow and be used of God. Let's keep looking. There's an example here, a man named John Baptist. Look at John 1, 6 through 9. And we look at this defining light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. So John was sent into this world to talk about, to witness about, to point to the light. The light there is capitalized. We're talking about Jesus. John was sent to bear witness of Jesus that all through him might Believe. Let's look at verse 8. John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. You see, John's exposure to the light. John's exposure to the light. Have you ever been exposed to the light? Have you ever been exposed to so much light that you had to close your eyes, walk in a room Ever been exposed to the light of the sun and, like me, you turn red and start peeling and look like a lobster? I'm the, one, I'm the only one that looks like a lobster when I'm exposed to too much of the light. Red nose, reindeer. It's hard to be dignified in the pulpit when you look like the red nose reindeer, a lobster. So I try to lather up with sunscreen. I went tubing one time with some other pastors. We were on a little bus on our way, and I just kept spraying on my sunscreen. Finally, one of them said a while, a while back, he said, I thought you were never going to stop putting all that sunscreen on and breathing in those fumes on that little bus. I don't know. But exposure to the light will change something, right? 
we will have a reaction, whether it be positive or negative. But I want to promise you this morning that when we have exposure to his light, it will do something in our lives. And I want to preach to us this morning, I want to preach to myself that sometimes we walk in too much darkness, sometimes we walk in too much confusion, sometimes we distance ourselves away from the light. If we'll get back in the light of the sun, the S-O-N, he will expose his light upon us and he'll direct our paths. And it'll give peace to our hearts and peace to our minds. And I asked you this morning, how often are we allowing ourselves to be exposed to the light of the Son of God? The more I hear about Him, the stronger my faith will get. The more I get in His Word and read and dig and try to study it and try to figure it out, the more light that shines upon my path. The more I find time to put on some worship music and give him praise and glory and get in his presence and let that light surround me. I'm here to tell us we don't have to walk in the darkness of this world. There is light. We can be exposed to the light. John the Baptist was exposed to the light. And when he was exposed to the light, the light, Jesus Christ, what that did for John, watch this, was it helped John. Define his identity. It helped John define his role. It helped John to understand his reality for existence. There are too many people in the church. There are too many people in the schools and in the community around us that have identity crises. Confusion and don't know who they are and don't know their purpose. And some don't even think they have a purpose. And it's our job, like John the Baptist, to proclaim the light and show the light so that folks will realize when they are exposed to him, they do have an identity. They do have a purpose. They can have a life. And they don't have to live in darkness. Somebody say amen this morning. They don't have to live in darkness. When I see that defining light, I can be reminded in my life that I am here on purpose for a purpose. Let me tell you this morning, you are here, not just here in this sanctuary, but here on this earth. You're here on this earth, here having this lifetime right now on purpose. This was God's plan for you to be here. There's not one mistake in this room. There's not one unplanned person in this room. You are here on this earth on purpose for a purpose. And his light defines that and shows that in our lives. And it is the light that still shines in darkness. Let's move on and look at John 1, 10 through 14. The last four verses of this little passage that we're looking at this morning. He, Christ. Christ was in the world. And the world was made through him. Think about that. Let that blow your mind for just a moment. This eternal Christ who made all of this chose to submit himself to the will of the Father, put on flesh, and then came into this humanity. He was in this world that he had made. But a sad part to this verse, and the world did not know him. Look at verse 11. He came to his own. 
He came to his own. What that's talking about right there is he came first to the Jewish people, God's chosen people, the Abrahamic covenant people, the seed of Abraham people, the ones who had been taught all the way back from Abraham through Moses and and everything. And they of all people should have recognized Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He's the one that the Old Testament prophets and everybody's been pointing to. And they out of everybody should have realized he is Christ. The Bible said he came to his own and his own did not receive him. They rejected him. Some didn't realize who he was. Some didn't want to realize who he was. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Look at verse 12. But as many as received him. Have you received him? Have you received him? Have you been grafted into this great plan of salvation? The Jewish people of his time rejected him, but, the, but he spread that gospel beyond them into the Gentile world of which we are part of. And he says, but as many who has received him. Now, if you have received him, he says, to them he gave the right, the power, the authority, the opportunity, the access to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood watch this little verse here nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God hold that verse for just a second we're talking about that light that shines in the darkness and we're talking about those of us who have received him those of us who have recognized him as being the son of God and we we were born born again can I use that term anybody born again in the house this morning. Born again. I was born again not of blood. Not because how I was born physically. Not by the will of the flesh. I wasn't born again because of anything that I could do or muster up and create in myself. The Bible says my righteousness is like filthy rags in the sight of God. I thought that was a tissue box. I was going to grab them and start throwing them. I wasn't born right in the flesh. I was born in sin. Nor of the will of the flesh. I wasn't born again because of something I could muster up and bring together and put it all together. There are people who say, I'll get my life in order. And then I'll give my life to Christ. Well, you'll never do it. He doesn't say, get your life in order and then give your life to me. He says, give your life to me, I'll help you get your life in order. It's not by the will of the flesh. And then it says, not by the will of man. It's not by the philosophies or the religions or the mindsets that have permeated this world of deciding, we'll do it this way to reach God, we'll do it this way to be good moral people, we'll do it that way. It's not the plan of man. It's not the working or the will of man. But this salvation experience through the word who became flesh, Jesus Christ, is of God. It is God's plan. Look at verse 14. And the word. Good little synopsis right here. Of everything we've talked about in this little passage. And the word and Jesus became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at that last line, grace and truth. The light that shines in darkness. He knows everything. He defines everything. He is truth. He is truth. In a world where there is so much compromise, he is truth. In a world where there's so much confusion, he is truth. In a world where there's chaos, he's truth. In the world where there's doubt and despondency and distress and all those things, he is truth. Fully truth. Full righteousness. He knows it all. He has the righteous standard of it all. He is truth. And he is full of truth. That's good news and that's bad news. It's good news because I know there is a way. It's good news because I know there is a standard. It's good news because I know I can't, don't have to live in the darkness and doubt and whatever. It's good news. It's bad news because I in myself can never live fully up to his truth. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't handle the truth. Somebody see that movie. I, I've never seen the movie. I just know there's a line. You can't handle the truth. In myself, I cannot handle the truth. But he's not just full of truth. He's full of grace. Do you hear me this morning? He's not just full of truth. He's full of grace. So he shows us the truth. And then he shows us his grace. So that we might live according to the truth. His light shines in darkness. He shows us the truth. But then he shows us his grace. That we might live up to the truth. Through and by him. That darkness that shines. Excuse me. That light that shines in the darkness. The light that shines in darkness. Is not diminished. Because of your DNA. You know what I'm saying? When I say your DNA, I know a little bit about I, I took I took like those biology classes back in the day. Oh my gracious. I don't want to do that again. But how I was born, some people say, well, you know, it's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. It's my, my, my granddaddy was like that. And my daddy was like that. And that's how I am. And that's how my family is. And it's just my DNA. But I want to tell you this morning, his light can shine in your DNA. In your family tree, his light can shine and make a change and make a difference. Some will say, but my environment you don't understand, Pastor Greg, how I grew up. You don't understand the mistakes that were made in my life. You don't understand the younger me. You don't understand the me from five years ago. The environment that I've been in is too much. No, the light of Christ can still shine upon your path. Others say, I've just made too many bad choices. I'm reminded of the great philosopher right here, George Jones, who said, living and dying with the choices I've made. Anybody heard that classic song, living and dying? When I used to work at the grocery store, it would get a little bit later in the evening. It was one of those little IGA type grocery stores. We had the little microphone at the front and you'd call the bagger. 
And I'd slip up there in that little office every once, probably way more than I should have, and slipped in there. And I'd, I'd start. there was a lady there. We had a running joke because she'd she'd had some bad choices in her life, and she would kind of laugh about it and whatever. And and I'd say I'd like to dedicate this song to Janie, and I'd sing, "I've had choices." Yeah, it's a wonder I didn't get fired. <laughs> This was later in the night, you know, it was more like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, wouldn't be. And if there were some folks in the store, I knew them and whatever, I knew I could get by with it. But I go, I've had choices. But George Jones would sing that song, I've had choices since the day I was born, right? And then he said, living and dying with the choices I've made. And there wasn't much hope in that song. And it was quite a depressing type Song, But I want to tell you this morning that when the light shines in darkness, I don't have to just be living and dying with the choices I've made. There is a thing called grace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ and I can be changed. I can be pulled out beyond the choices of my past and I don't have to just live and die with the choices I've made. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. Would you stand with me today? That same light that shined in the darkness for John the Baptist can shine on my path and shine in my light and can give me faith that I can change my life, give me faith that I can pray for the impossible in my life or in the life of somebody else. It said the light shined in darkness and the darkness didn't understand it. It didn't comprehend it. But this morning, I believe I'm preaching to a congregation that says, hey, I can comprehend this. I can embrace this. I can let the light of God shine in my path one more time. And I can believe him for life change. And I can believe him for the impossible. And I want us to go in to 2023 with a renewed focus, renewed understanding to believe God that he can do anything. And to believe God that miracles are still possible. There are people in this congregation that it tears my heart out. I want to see healed I believe God can still heal. There are people, part of this church, people around this church that need to be gloriously saved, family members that are part of this church. And and we need, again, to renew our faith and say, God, I know you can do it. You can do it. That light can still shine in the darkness. And I'm not giving up. Now is not the time. 2023. This is not in my notes, so I'll charge a little extra overtime for it. How about that? This is not in my notes. But I need to say it. 2023 is not, somebody say, is not the year for me to quit. 2023 is not the year for me to quit. If anything, I want to double down. And I want to believe this light in the darkness that can get involved in my situation, in my church, in your situation, in your life, the light that shines in darkness. Look at our response. I might use that response throughout the whole series. I know I used it last week. Last week I used it largely in regards to salvation. Unless a person comes to Christ, 
seeking to be a different person. He's not really coming to Christ at all. And that's true. We come to Christ saying, I want you to forgive me and change me. And I really want to be a child of God. And I used that last week in terms of salvation. But if I might this morning, I want to use it in terms of us praying the prayer of faith. Let's not waste our time coming to God and praying and not really believing it. Is that all right this morning? Let's stop wasting our time just praying little softball prayers and little superficial prayers and little lay me down to sleep prayers. And let's remember again, He is Christ, eternal Christ. He is Christ, the Word that became flesh. He is Christ, the light of the world. And when I pray to Him, He has all power and all authority to respond to what I'm praying. And my Lord, this morning, as we go into this new year, let's start praying and really come to Him and believing that He'll hear us and He'll answer our prayers. Do you believe that this morning? Would you just bow your head with me? Would you just begin to pray as an individual today? Would you just call it out to the Lord this morning? This altar is open if you need prayer. If you want to come and accept the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, this altar is open. We'll pray with you and pray for you. If you want to come and be prayed for or you just want to come and kneel and pray around the altar, this altar is open this morning. But I also believe that the Holy Spirit is active throughout the entirety of the building. I also believe that you can engage the Lord in a powerful, significant way right where you're standing even. Would you just declare to the Lord your need this morning? Would you just just declare to Him? I, I mean, you say, oh, I've prayed it a hundred times. I've prayed it a thousand times. But God, I still believe Sometimes, Lord, you make me feel like you have all the time in the world. But God, I know you do have all the time in the world. And God, I even accept that among this congregation, there are some that are praying things and that have prayed things. They might not even see the answer on this side of eternity. I know, Lord, there are some little mothers who have prayed for their children to be saved and they have gone on to be with the Lord and they never saw it but you are faithful hallelujah I believe God that there have been times that you've sent some little preacher by some room somewhere to pray with somebody on their deathbed in an answer to a little mother's prayer hallelujah there is no time limit to prayers I believe God that you are eternal you are the light are big and you are mighty.